Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joined today, he's the co-host of the Fit Mess podcast and fitness coach. It's Zach Tucker. How are you doing today, Zach? I'm doing really good, Alex. How are you? Doing so good. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what did you like doing growing up? Uh, well, like what I liked to do growing up, I would say um, I kind of lived in fantasy land quite a bit. I love the imagination, you know, toys and, and things like that, uh, just kind of due to the, the childhood I had. But I grew up in uh, the Catskills in, in New York State. Um, just a little teeny town where everybody knows who you are and, you know, you can't get away with anything, uh, <laughs> without, you know, every, everyone just knows. And it's like a community raising kids. Very fun. Did you like going, growing up in that kind of small town? Or do you think if you lived in a larger town, you would have like a different lifestyle or a different growing up as a kid kind of way? Uh, I think I would have been a little bit more cultured. I know my, you know, my I, I guess we'll get to it. Like the, my story of the first six years was a little rough, but, uh, once I, once I moved in with my dad, um, you know, I, I saw Florida once a year and that was about it. And it was this little town and maybe a weekend trip to the big city, which was not a big city for, <laughs> for dinner. Um, and I don't know, I think, I think it really, it bored me a lot. You know, my, my mind was always going, I was always, uh, you know, a little bit, on the intellectual side. And it really was kind of a simple life for me. Now that I'm 43, I actually kind of want to go back to something like that. Definitely not the town I grew up in, but something mm-hmm. on a small scale um, and, and enjoy that a little bit more. I had that same thing. I grew up in the city life and then I go to a town where I guess it's not small, but you have to drive 30 to an hour to get to the next big town or the next town in general. Yeah. And to me, I always wanted to go back to the city life because I think just growing up and just enjoying everything, getting to access all those different things, people everywhere. I think that was just me, that homebody. But I like to have that freedom where to go to that small town or go to the kind of the oasis and just be myself and not have to worry about thousands of people right next to me. Yeah. I actually really like traveling around now. Like I live in a, in a smaller city mm-hmm. but, and I love the convenience and I actually where I chose to live, I'm out right on the outskirts. So if I take a left yeah. out of my, my neighborhood, I go down to the city. And if I take a right, I'm in farmland in a couple of minutes. But I, one of my favorite things to do is like picking a smaller town that's close mm-hmm. by, you know, a couple hours away, maybe, and just driving there and exploring that small town. And, you know, visiting, not living. <laughs> Growing up, what's the biggest thing you learned about yourself? Ooh, well, I guess growing up to find growing up because I really didn't learn. It took me probably close to 20 years to learn about myself. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I had I had an interesting childhood. It was very traumatic. It was very, um, you know, don't speak unless spoken to. Um, stay quiet, stay out of the way um, kind of thing. So I really didn't, uh, learn a ton. And then, you know, once I got into my teenage years, I started partying and getting in trouble and law issues and jail time and like things like that. So I didn't really learn much until I was about 20. And when I, when I kind of scratched my head and went, huh, you know what? I, I think I'm doing life wrong. Um, but I think the one, the one thing that I learned the most about myself as a kid that 
actually took me a long time to realize I was super creative as a kid, not like in a, an art way. Like I never made art, but I was very, and my father hated this because I was very good at arguing him into something. Um, <laughs> very, very creative in that sense. Um, and I, I guess I didn't recognize it as a kid, but it, it has served me really, really well as an adult to be that creative and, and fostering that that creativity, it, you know, led me to my career where I like just literally they throw things at me that nobody knows how to fix. And, and I go in and fix them. You talked about getting into trouble, the rebellious side. Did you feel as you were a rebel in a way? Um, I didn't feel like I was a rebel. I just didn't know there was another way to live. Mm-hmm. And, and I was really, really bored. Um, so I've, I've, you know, I've, Looking back at my life, I know, again, my childhood was very different. Um, my IQ is higher than average. And um, the town I was in, I was just extremely bored. And I never did my homework. I never studied for school, but I did fine. Um, I actually dropped out in eighth grade and took my GED like two weeks later and passed it. Um, like, you know, just was like, meh, okay, this, this is what I'm going to do. So I was literally just bored and looking for things to do. And nobody was steering me in that direction of, Hey, you've got a head on your shoulders. Why don't we like do something productive with it? Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't know any different. I thought it was just normal to go out and run from the cops in the town and cause trouble and, you know, drink beer and things like that. I just thought that was what everyone did. Do you feel you were growing up a lot quicker doing those kind of things? Like getting in trouble with the law, it's kind of like an eye-awakening moment for some people at that age to go through because they think, oh, it's it's going to be easy and stuff and different than what we see in movies and TV shows. But when it's really happening, it's like shocking. Yeah. I think the first time I got in trouble with the law, I was 15. So it was, you know, all sealed up youthful offender status. There's there's no record of it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um but I, you know, I got in trouble a few more times and I didn't learn my lesson until I actually turned 18 and, and the judge again, small town, the judge and my dad were friends. And I think my dad basically was like, can you just lock him up for 30 days, please? Like just throw him away for 30 days. Let's see if that, that'll do it. And, uh, sure enough, he put me in for 30 days. That's all I needed ever, like 30 days in jail. And I was like, Oh, okay. I, I, I understand why I, I don't want to be here. I get this. I get it. And I wasn't, you know, doing bad things because I wanted to be a bad person or I was with the wrong crowd. I was just bored. So mm-hmm. fortunately at that point in time, I was like, okay, I, I need to shift my energy and, and direct it somewhere else. Sometimes we're asked that dream job of ours. When you're growing up, what did you want to do as a career? Interestingly enough, um, my my brother-in-law gave me a computer when I was probably 12. And it was, when I say computer, it was bigger than a suitcase. And it had a little <laughs> like four-inch screen. And it had the gigantic like five-inch floppy drives where you had to boot the OS. And then the other floppy drive to run um, whatever program you wanted, all text-based. Um, and that, he gave me that. And I I, I remember... He gave it to me and these were actually older computers at the time and they were kind of antique mm-hmm. and in computer terms anyway. And I had it and I took it apart and he came home and like saw that I had taken it apart and he freaked out 
and then I put it all back together and like wow. it still worked. And I just remember like making this electronic thing do whatever I told it to do, um, you know, through programming and things like that. And I think from there, that's when I really like fell in love with like electronics and technology and things like that. And to this day, like I still work in technology. Was that the next path that you were wanting to go somewhere with college? Were you able to learn even more about that? Or did you go right into the workforce? Um, So I, again, I took a little bit of a weird road. So uh, when I dropped out, um, I would, and took my GED, I'd failed first grade and eighth grade, just again, bored, never, you know, just didn't do anything. Uh, So I was 15 when I passed my GED and then I started college. Um, dropped out of that too. Cause I was like, man, I don't, I, I'm just the college I went to wasn't that challenging. So then I kind of like, you know, moved around and like just worked odd jobs and stuff like that. And I didn't go back to college until I was 22. Um, and I did my four-year degree in, in two years, wow. um, at that same college. But the whole time that I was at that college, uh, I think I had four classes where like I showed up at the beginning and talk to the professor and they're like, well, if you want, like, just come and take the test. You don't have to come to class because I already knew like the content. Um, I, I'm not really a math. I don't say that I like math, but I'm really good at it. So I was tutoring uh, statistics and accounting uh, while I was taking the same class. So like accounting two and statistics I had on Tuesday and Thursday, and I was tutoring people in the same class that had it Monday, Wednesday, Friday on Monday. So I'd sit down to tutor them. And I'd have to like flip through and be like, okay, let me learn this real quick. Okay. All right. I got it. And then I would tutor them. So, um, so I've, I don't know, my college life was a little bit different. Um, I lived at home with my dad and, um, there wasn't a whole lot that I learned. And I actually like the courses themselves were really easy. Um, and I had four O's every semester. Like at that point I'd learned the value of a college education and where I needed to go. So I put a little effort into it. Um, and I started like, uh, I went to the computer or the IT, the IT department of the college and said, Hey, I will work for you guys for free. I just want to learn what you're doing and how you're doing it. And they were like, Oh my gosh, free labor. Of course. Come on. So I just like started working there. And my last semester was supposed to be an internship. And I remember all the kids in, in, you know, my graduating class were like, I can't find an internship. Nobody wants, you know, nobody wants to hire me for this. Uh, the college that I was going to, the the director of IT was like, hey, by the way, you don't have to look for an internship. You're doing it here. I got you money. I'm actually going to hire you as a um, an adjunct professor, and it'll pay for your tuition that 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 wow. semester. Like they went above and beyond to like take care of me. Um, and that was so. I mean, that was my college life where I like I learned kind of some of the basic stuff, but I already knew most of it. Um, but it was the relationship building that I really came away from it with is like, wow, if you actually approach people and like help them and do things and build a real relationship with them, like you're just going to succeed with that, with that group of people. You basically did networking just at the college that you were at. And I loved hearing that you kind of had your own path and that you took maybe school Mm -hmm. and education wasn't the fun part. And you mentioned how things were bored, but you took that relationship building and wanting to learn. And that was what was exciting for you, which is something that a lot of kids don't do that day. They're like, oh, I got to go to class. Oh, I'm here to party. 
Yeah. What you did was like the fun part because you got to make your college experience how you wanted to be and not told this is the road you're supposed to take. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really, and I think it's starting to come around today. Like I did my, I did my master's degree at WGU, which is a competency based uh, college where you can like literally go in and test out of classes. And it's not, you're not required to have your butt in a seat for 16 weeks in order to get a credit or, or three or four credits. Um, and I really loved that. Like all, while I had to do the full semester at these places, I was literally taking double the, the course load every semester because I didn't have to go to a bunch of classes and I didn't have to put a lot of effort into it. And a lot of my teachers were just very lenient with me. And they're like, okay, you're, you're good. I don't need to see you here. I know you're going to get an A and you know, half of my classes, they curved the grade based on my scores. (laughs) Nobody liked me in those classes. Looking back at that time, is there one professor worker that you built a great relationship that you wish that kind of were still happening today? Yeah. Um, actually there was a, one of the professors of, um, of it, he taught like networking and, uh, like computer repair and, um, just general business relationship within it. Um, uh, Bill Williams, I, I still talk with him to this day and it's been, geez, I hate to say this has been 20 years. <laughs> um, I, I still talk to him. He, you know, he recognized too. And again, I feel weird saying all this, but he recognized me as different. And mm-hmm. he actually took me under his wing and like, he would, you know, I actually went in and, and helped him rebuild the networking lab. And I was like, Oh, well, this is fun for me. And he spent hours and hours with me talking about his life in the corporate world and things that he had did done and decisions he'd made. And it was so great. And then, um, the director of it at the college, like him and I developed a really good relationship. And again, to this day, I still talk to him. I still have dinner with him on occasion whenever I'm in town. Um, and, and those two people were, you know, hugely influent, influential in, in my career because they really just saw me and said, this kid's got something and they shared everything they possibly could with me. So I'm really trying to do the same thing now. Like I just, you know, I, I get, I get reviews from, you know, people who report to me and they're like, wow, this guy's crazy. Cause he really just like shares everything that he's ever done. And I'm really trying to pay it back. After college, what was that next step for you? What were your next goals that you wanted to accomplish? Um, so right after college, so I, I, I got, so the college I went to after the internship, they actually hired me full time and I worked there for a year. Um, but the college was a state run school and it's a state job. And, um, you know, in New York state, you know, state, state jobs, you're not necessarily rewarded for the amount of effort that you put into the job. You're rewarded for the amount of time you've been at the job. Mm-hmm. So I very quickly realized that like I, my ambition was too high for, for a state job. So I actually left and went to a private company. Um, and in that job, it was the very first time I realized that I needed to take my health and wellness seriously. Um, which was very interesting because I went in when I got that job, I was 300 pounds. I smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. I drank Mountain Dew like by the two liter per day. Um, my friend worked at McDonald's. So I ate there for free every single day, like just super, super unhealthy. And then I had, you know, 20 years worth of um, trauma that, that I needed to wrestle with as well. And super, super high functioning anxiety. Um, so I got, I, I got this first job 
And like I said, I smoked and my boss who, you know, he interviewed me. I didn't want to smell like cigarettes when I went in for the interview. So I put a nicotine patch on before the day of didn't smell. And he, you know, of course I crushed the interview because my mind was sharp. Mm -hmm. And, and then I started the job and the very first day he looked at me, he's like, man, if I had known you smoked cigarettes, I would have never hired you. Wow. And like, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, wow. Like, it doesn't matter how smart I am. It doesn't matter how good I am. Like, you know, these things are not only bad for my health, but they're going to hurt my career. So mm-hmm. I quit smoking and, you know, still one of the hardest things I ever did. Um, and then it was that moment where I was like, huh, I need to start moving more. I need to start eating better. I need to start like actually taking care of my mental health, my emotional health and my physical health. Um, and I knew my career would progress and I just kept doing the things that, you know, those, those people at the college showed me how to do. I found new mentors. I was constantly reaching out for people who are like four or five, six steps ahead of me and just going, Hey, can I talk to you? Can, can we chat on a regular basis? And, you know, I can bounce things off of you and ask you how you would do something. And, you know, so I always knew that my career was going to be fine. Uh, but it was, you know, how long I was going to stay alive was the next question. Was there ever a time, especially with smokers, where they quit and then there's always that temptation to go back? And even with the health and fitness world, it's always those temptations. I am, you know, I've had those struggles where I haven't eaten fast food in two years and I'm like, oh, that smells good, but my stomach ain't going to like it probably if I go back to it. Did you ever have those moments of temptations to go back to the old you? Or did you know that this is what's best for you and your future? Um, always have the temptations. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, you've got those neural pathways for those activities in your brain and they're very well worn and water is going to find the path of least resistance. So when you're in a moment of, of weakness or, um, you know, tired or not eating well, like if you just have one of those moments, your brain is going to, you know, play the song it knows. Um, uh, the cigarette thing, I, I don't know. I never looked back at that point. Like I tried quitting probably two dozen times and I never could. And then it was that one moment where I was like, I'm done and I'm never looking back. And it doesn't happen too often now, but for probably 15 years, I would have a dream occasionally where in my dream, I started smoking again and I'd wake up terrified that I have to go through the process of quitting again. Um, but I know I, I don't eat fast food anymore. Um, no, I take that back on, on the rare, <laughs> on the rare occasion. Like if I'm in an airport or something like that, yeah. I have no choice. I just need something. I'll, you know, get a grilled chicken or something. But, um, I remember years ago I was with my mom and she, I took her out for, you know, I took her out for something. And I was like, do you want to get lunch anywhere you want to go? Let's go. I'm buying, we'll do it. And she's like, can we just go to McDonald's? And like, I remember my oh. heart sinking <laughs> and I was like, uh, and we went and I got, you know, I just got like a hamburger and, you know, a small fry. I was like this, you know, it's not much one time, not going to kill me. And I ate it and it tasted so good. Like I was like, wow, I forgot how good this tastes. But then within minutes, my stomach, like just made, started yeah. making all this noise. And I was like, oh boy, I I'm in trouble here in a couple of minutes. Um, and my body just literally revolted against that food. Oh. That's what my, I imagine if I did that. And because I mean, I love Taco Bell and not saying that's the greatest food in the world, but it tastes good in the moment. But 
the after effects not the best at all no and and again i i I remember that every time i have a craving for fast food now yeah i just remember my body going whatever you just did to me was not good Mm. and just like okay i respect that i i'm I'm not gonna do that with fitness being such a big part of your life is there always a physical goal or is it more of testing yourself to get to that next step um i've never been a huge fan of of fitness goals you know i'm not I'm definitely not the guy who's, um, you know, trying to lift more than the next guy, um, or, you know, beat my mile or anything like that. I, as, as a matter of fact, like when I run, like I run eight and a half minute miles, whether I'm in good shape or not. So it just, it's just the intensity of pain that, that varies for the most part. I've tried to run faster and I just, I don't enjoy it. It's like that pace is my, Mm -hmm. it's, it's just perfect for me. Um, and I think, in the past, I was trying to, you know, exercise really to like outrun a diet or outrun the way I was eating to, you know, look a certain way or very, you know, uh, materialistic in my, my exercise approach. And now I'm 43 now, and I'm literally in the best shape of my life. And I think it's because like, I don't care about, you know, being ripped, even though like, I'm told I look pretty good. I don't care about it anymore. I'm just out there to be like, you know what? I want to live as long as possible. I want to be able to lift heavy things when I need to lift them. I want to be able to react to situations and just live as well as I can. And I feel like if I had continued my life from when I was 20, I probably wouldn't be able to walk very well right now. I'd, you know, I'd probably have a ton of health problems. And so for me now, it's really just about, you know, I go to the gym and, struggle for an hour, hour and a half, you know, five, six, seven times a week, if I need to um, do a bunch of yoga, just a lot of physical movement, because I know that, you know, like, uh, there's, there's a saying, uh, motion is lotion, right? The more you move your body, the more it's just ready for life. So I don't, I know my dad, when my dad was 50, he had trouble moving. So I don't want to be 50 and have trouble moving. As a matter of fact, there's a guy at the gym who's 55. He can lift more than me. He can run faster than me. He can do all the things better than me. And I kind of look at him and I'm just like, huh, okay, you just keep this up. And that's, that's what it is. But at the same time, like, I'm not interested in crushing massive goals. Like I want to lift a little bit more. I want to run a little bit faster, but I also know I'm 43 and, you know, pushing myself too hard is going to be injury and it's going to set me back. So there's, you know, it's a fine line between, um, huge goals for me and just maintaining my health for someone that's listening to this interview and they're going through the same struggles to make that first step to get on that healthier path or get to that fitness path that they want. What would you tell them to make that step knowing that a lot of people don't take it because they go to the gym and they see all these people judging them, scaring them. They don't want to do it because they don't feel like getting up. They don't want to get moving. They want to be sitting in a chair all day. What would you tell them based on someone that's gone through this journey? Yeah, I would say, you know, start with, with one small thing. Um, and I'll go back to the beginning of mine. Cause there was another thing that happened after I quit smoking, quitting smoking was not a small thing, but it was one thing. And that started it. Um, and the next thing was, you know, at work, it, the, um, 
they sent out an email that we wanted to, everyone wanted to do a 5k that summer. And this was like November. So it was months and months and months away. And I was like, Oh, I'm a social butterfly. And, you know, I, and they said, we, you know, you could leave work early. I was like, Oh, I get to leave work early on a Thursday or something like that. So I signed up for it. And I, I was really signing up for it for like the companionship for the, you know, to make friends at at the job. Um, And that goal of running a 5k was really good for me because I couldn't even run a ninth of a mile without falling over. And I, I went to the local YMCA, which had an indoor track and every nine laps was a mile. And I would run one and like on my knees panting because, you know, my lungs were still healing. Um, and that was my goal was to just do one lap, one very, very small lap. And then I could do one, then it was two, then it was four then it was eight and then it was nine and I was able to get there. So anyone who is listening, you know, your journey for health and wellness needs to start with really, really small steps that are like just hard enough for you. Right. Don't think that you got to go to the gym immediately and, you know, deadlift 350 pounds and do all these things that literally take years and years to condition, condition your body for you need to do what's right for you. What the next hardest thing is for you that's within your comfort zone of continuing to do. So for me, it was a ninth of a mile. And I committed to that just every day, a ninth of a mile. And in my, you know, the shape that I was in then it might've taken me six minutes to to do it. (laughs) Um, But that's what I would say is you really do need to start small and whatever it is you're doing, it is, it's going to be hard. And then the next step that you take is going to be just as hard. So it never gets easier. It's just your level of intensity and what you're doing becomes more challenging, more challenging, more challenging. So kind of get used to that uncomfort and get used to that. Eventually you will like it because it floods your brain with endorphins. And, you know, like I spent an hour working out and, um, while it sucks the entire time for the next four or five hours, I'm just on cloud nine, but it takes a long time to get your body switched over to this really sucks. I'm never doing that again to, this really sucks. It's going to be worth it. In a previous episode, we had your co-host Jeremy on the show talking about his story. Talk about how you guys met to create the Fit Mess podcast. Yeah. Um, so my again, my life, I had right from birth, like I had a heart defect and my mother was so uh, so anxious that she basically was like, there's no problems. There's no problems. And I almost died within the first two weeks of my life, if my aunt hadn't intervened and said, there's something wrong with him, taking him to the doctor. Um, that was the mother I lived with for a long time. So she really, she did a number on me, um, mentally. Um, and to, to the day she died, she was like that with, with everything. Um, so I had a lot of trauma, a lot of anxiety. Um, I was tested when I was 25 and they were like, here's the top of the chart and you are way above it um, on the anxiety scale. So I, by the time I was 20 and I went back to school, like I was dealing with this 20 years of mental anguish, um, that, you know, had me in such a depressive state that I wanted to kill myself, um, a lot. Um, and even attempted it twice and somehow failed, which isn't quite like me because I try to succeed at everything, but you know, it was just that bad. And, you know, once I started getting my physical health in order, that's when I started working on my mental health. And I literally spent the next 15 years 
you know, trying different things to make myself a little bit better, um, mentally every single day, um, to the point where when I met Jeremy, I was in a decent place. I still had a little ways to go. Uh, but Jeremy and I met when I was, uh, 33 ish, maybe 32. Um, we met because our wives were pregnant at the exact same time and they were doing a running club for fit moms and they they liked each other so they're like oh let's get you know let's get the guys together and have breakfast they both like star wars um so we you know we sat down at brunch or lunch or something like that and did kind of the typical guy thing we're like hey did you did you watch the game last night yep (laughs) yep it was was a good game kind of car you drive what do you do for work you know like the you know the guy stuff um and it, it took a little while, but eventually, like, you know, we both like started asking, you know, some deeper questions and realized that, you know, the two of us were um, not the typical guy where we can do the typical guy thing, but we also would go deeper and we would go, we would get vulnerable and we would talk about our struggle and how hard it is to be a dad, a brother, a husband, uh, you know, a boss, a coworker, uh, you know, all these things that we have to be. And, you know, in, in the society that we're raised in, we're, we're told to, you know, shut up and, you know, just get up and rub dirt on it. You're okay. There's no problem. Um, and I guess I was a few years ahead of Jeremy in my journey of, of healing, uh, both mentally and physically. And, you know, we would talk all the time and he'd be like, well, what are you doing for this? And what are you doing for that? And I would share with him things. And, you know, I watched him take some of the things that I was trying with diet and, you know, he lost like 70 pounds. So, um, we got to a point where him and I were having really, really deep, open conversations, uh, conversations guys don't have, you know, typically. And Jeremy was in podcasting for years and years and years. And I just had this, you know, like I wanted to give back again, right. To all the people who helped me, all the, you know, coaches and mentors who like got me through the worst of the worst. And I was like, you know, we should, we should do a podcast. Like we should do these conversations but live, you know, like, and get them out there for other guys to hear so that they won't be afraid to be vulnerable, have these conversations and just kind of be better human beings. And he kicked, he kicked it back. I mean, he's like, Nope, not doing that. Not talking about my feelings. Nope. Nope. Can't do that. Um, and one of his hesitations was that like, we don't have like degrees in anything, right. We're just two guys who had messed up lives and we figured it out. Um, but that's relatable for a lot of people, right? Like somebody who's been through it is sometimes, you know, more inspiring than somebody who never went through it, but has a degree on the wall. So once he realized that like, we're relatable in that way and we can just bring on experts to the show, which is what we do now. Like we, we kind of complain at the beginning of every show about like how we're struggling with whatever the topic is, how we're trying to implement it in our life and, and do things like that. And then we talked to an expert who has, you know, really good, useful tips. Um, so he finally signed on and was like, okay, let's do this. And we, we got really lucky at the beginning in, you know, getting some really big guests and, um, you know, the, the fan base grew really, really quick. And now, you know, Jeremy, you know, I'm the anxious one. So I live in the future. Jeremy has always been kind of depressed. So he lives in the past. So like once a week we, we come together and we're in the now and we, we talk about, you know, whatever, whatever the topic is that week, whether it's, you know, physical health, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, and in whatever, you know, flavor anyone wants. So that's, that's how we got there. 
Is there a topic that you've talked about on your show that has ever been more nervous to talk about things like that? Um, you know, I think probably, you know, we've had some guests on who were female and they talked about, you know, the struggle of being a female and, you know, one in particular talked about, you know, the trauma that she had around being gang raped and like, you know, as a man, like this, just no way I can, uh, even go there. Right. I, I, I can't even fathom that life and living as a woman in, in today's day and age. So, um, some of those topics get a little bit uncomfortable for me, which is, which is when I know I need to like dig in and really listen and, and try and understand, um, you know, not to fix anything, but just to understand and, and be there, you know, for that person or other females in my life to, you know, support them in any way, shape or form I can. I can definitely relate to that where there's topics where I've never experienced before. I never gone through it, but maybe I've known someone or maybe I don't know anything and I want to learn more. And it's kind of sounds like that's something similar where you don't hesitate to have that topic because like you said, there's someone out there that's listening that maybe has gone through that and maybe this person can help them talk about it or be open or even just share and kind of maybe speak to someone that they know about what they've gone through. And that's kind of amazing what our shows do where we're open to all different topics. Yeah. And I know, you know, again, there's some topics that I just can't relate to. Yeah. Um, and that, that actually helps me and helps me in the sense that, you know, I've got my story and I have the things I went through um, and the way Jeremy describes you know, his trauma, he's like, uh, I didn't have it like Zach had it. I had garden variety trauma, right? Everyone has their own unique thing and yep. everyone suffered in their own way. And it's kind of like the exercise analogy I was making earlier, where like it never gets easier. It's just the level and intensity change for you. So, you know, it really made me appreciate the fact that like, you know, what I went through was bad for me. And someone else who went through something worse, it was bad for them. And someone else went through something less than me and it was bad for them. Point is, it was bad for all of us. And there's no need to compare. There's no need to say, oh, I had it worse than you or you didn't have it as bad as me. Um, everyone had pain. Everyone struggled. Everyone got through it. And it's it's more about like coming together afterwards and just like, hey, you're a good you're a good human being and I love you and you're the best. And like, let's just, you know, go crush life together. Do you feel that having the show has brought out something in you or a skill, a personality trait that maybe your friends, family had never seen in you before? Um, yes. So my family, I don't even know if they listen, honestly, <laughs> but the, you know, again, growing up, like I had a very interesting family. Every time I go back to my family, I feel like I'm that 20 year old again, mm -hmm. um, because it's just the, the emotional space I was in. Um, and I don't, I don't really, I don't know. I've never really been one to boast about myself. Like I have, I have a pretty high level, you know, I'm a VP at, at the company I work at. And I only say that on this show because I never say that I'm a VP. People are like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I work in IT. Like, I don't boast about myself in any way, shape or form. I don't like to brag. I don't like to be defined by what it is that I do. This show included, mm -hmm. like, you know, I just like to be me. So I don't really talk about it to them, but I know, I know one of them has, has definitely listened and they text me all the time and they're like, oh my God, you're so different on that show. Like, 
you're just full of passion. And like, I don't hear that when I'm talking to you, um, you know, like at a family dinner, cause I'm like, well, I'm, you know, it's family dinner. There's not much to be passionate about, but the food. Um, uh, so it's, it's definitely, I'm a different person. I'm more my natural self where, you know, that's what I love to do. That's what I'm intrigued by. I'm very interested in all the new stuff that we learn about. Um, I can't try everything because we talked to so many people, like I, I'd go crazy trying all the stuff that we talk about. Um, but I just love learning all of that stuff. Um, and I take a lot of that and I go back to my job and I implement it at my job too. Um, you know, emotional intelligence is really important for, um, a successful career in my opinion, but you know, yeah, my family, my family has no idea. They know I do something like this and they all kind of give me the side eye of like, you talk about your feelings and stuff, That that's weird. I just hate that that's stereotype now where like, oh, men can't talk about their feelings and stuff like that because that's just, that's just so old school. And I think everyone just grows up with that same mindset that, oh, you have to be tough. You can't be afraid. You can't be scared of anything. You have to be strong all the time, but things are changing nowadays and we all go through the struggles. And if we're open about it, it helps people learn more about what each other are going through. And even with friends, like I want them to be open with me, tell Mm -hmm. me what you're going through because maybe I can help. Maybe I've gone through it, give you a tip or something. I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life, but I want to be there as a support system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, the one thing I've learned is like, it doesn't even you don't even need help half the time now. Like sometimes just saying the words and yep. getting it out is like, like, yeah, very, very healing. So like, you know, I think everyone should be assigned a therapist when they're born, right? Like you just go once a week and like one of the best therapists I ever had was like, she would say, Hey, how are you? And then the next word she would utter as well, our time is up. It was the best therapy ever. And I just sat there and talked the entire time. And there, there's real power in taking what's going on in your head and verbalizing it. Like you have epiphanies, you figure things out, um, especially if you've got somebody else listening and I don't know the, maybe it's the ego, like somebody judging you, like you, you just, you're more thoughtful about the process, but, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I am, uh, ever since I learned that, like, I figure things out about myself by talking, I will, I will tell anyone on the street about my problems not, not hoping that they'll fix me, but just, you know, Hey, listen. In the last few years, has there been anything fun in your life that you've been able to accomplish or you're wanting to do in your future? Anything that's planned on in your future? Um, so planned in my future. Uh, so coming up shortly, I've, I've waited, uh, far too long. Um, I actually, you can't really see it, but around me, I do have like all the gear for, um, you know, a virtual cockpit to, you know, fly airplanes, okay. um, uh, flight simulators with, you know, VR goggles and, and all the equipment. And I finally decided I'm just going to go do it and go get my pilot's license. Um, something I've always wanted to do. Uh, so that's coming up really shortly. Um, and, and I would say probably in the last five years, like I went on a little bit of a bender of accomplishments about five years ago. Um, when we started the show, we have this one episode where Jeremy just like listed off all the things I had done in the last 12 months. And I did like some ridiculous amount. Like I got my 200 hour yoga teacher certification. I did my MBA in like 
11 months. Um, I did a 50 mile go ruck challenge where, you know, with like 20 pound weight in your bag. Um, I got like a couple of certificates for, you know, teaching exercise programs, but like, you know, they've calmed down a little bit, but like in the last five years, like I just went nuts and I was like, I can do anything. And like, I started all these side hustles and things like that. Um, and it's really just, you know, again, at the age of what was 38 at the time, I realized like, I'm not static. I can reinvent myself every single day and like going to become a pilot, right? That's, that's a whole different life potentially. Um, and, you know, in the last five years, it's just, oh, I'm interested in this. I'm going to go do it. And like, I can teach a yoga class. I could, I could be a yoga teacher. Wouldn't pay very well, but I could be a yoga teacher if I wanted to. Um, but I just love the idea that like, whatever I'm interested in, I can go pursue it now. And I don't have to worry about maintaining who I am because who I am is going to change every day. I love that you talked about that uh, pilot's license or going for that. I did that once, um, flew a plane and best experience ever. I, yeah. I wish I did it more and I plan on doing it more. It, just time has passed and moving, but it was just, you get up there in that plane and you're like, you don't have to think about anything. Well, you have to think about flying it, but just looking out at the distance and the nature, the wildlife, well, wildlife, whatever you can see from up there, it's just so breathtaking. Is there a place that you want to fly over eventually that's on that bucket list? Yeah, I am. So I'm in upstate New York and just north of me is the Adirondack Mountains. So I really, really just want to fly over those. And like, you know, you see them from the ground all the time and you can see the mountains in the distance, but like this range is, is just, it is very beautiful from the sky. And I've seen it a couple of times, but always, you know, in a passenger jet or something like that, you know, looking out the window, I want to be the one driving over it and just having that really unique experience myself. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? So the number one thing I tell people, and it's actually two, two bits here. Um, one is, is to be curious about what you believe and, and, and who you are. And what I mean by that is, you know, we, as we grow up, we, we hear things and people tell us things and we see people act a certain way. And we have these ingrained truths in our heads on as to how something should be. And, you know, even to, as you get older, right, you learn something new and you kind of stick with it and it's your belief and it's something that you hang on to. Um, and what I'm saying is that you should always question those beliefs and really, really dig in and be curious why you believe that way and really be open to being wrong about those things. Um, as my own example, right. It was, you need to be a man. You need to be tough. You need to not show your emotions. That's wrong. That's not okay. Like I'm a better man because I show my emotions and I process them and I do those things. Um, so, so again, just be curious about yourself, dig really deep and it's uncomfortable. Don't get me wrong. It's really uncomfortable to question your own, like really deep seated beliefs. But every now and again, you go, huh, I believe something that's wrong. And that's been hurting me the whole time. Um, and then whatever it is that you want to do, find a coach. 
if it's in, if it's in the gym, if it's something you want to deal with emotionally, mentally, find a psychiatrist or something, somebody who can help guide you. Um, a lot of these things of like being, becoming a better person or rising to the challenge or doing the next best thing at work. There are people who have done it before you and you don't have to struggle through it. If you just find them, they want to tell you about their, their journey. They want to tell you about how they've helped other people. They want to help you. Um, you just have to be vulnerable enough to tell people that you need the help. And once you do like people who will help you will come out of the woodwork and some of them want money, of course, but some of them don't. Um, so really find a coach, find somebody who can help you and, and just question your own beliefs as to, you know, what might be holding you back. Well, Zach, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to the full length episode and video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.